This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. RuPaul's Drag Race could crown another Denver queen as America's next drag superstar tomorrow night. My name is Willow Pill, and I'm an adorably twisted little doll. We've been watching Willow Pill beat out the competition on this season of Drag Race. She's now a finalist, and if she wins, she'll be the second drag superstar ever from Denver after her mentor and friend, Evie Oddly, won in 2019. And guess what? I got to talk to Willow this week before the show's finale. Today is Thursday, April 21st, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Willow Pill, welcome to CityCast Denver. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I know you're based in Chicago now, but you're from Colorado, and you came up in our drag scene here. Um, past Drag Race winner and good friend of yours, Evie Oddly, came out of our scene, as did Nina Flowers. What makes Denver's drag scene so special to you? You know, I think um, what makes Denver's drag scene so special, or at least at the time that I was kind of coming up, is that there wasn't a whole lot of structure or rules. It's one of those mid-sized cities for drag. Um, you know, so you've got like your New York and your Chicago and your LA, and then you also have scenes that are just so small that they, you know, barely exist. And Denver is one of those mid-sized cities where there's kind of rules, kind of not, kind of a big scene, kind of a small scene. So you can kind of fit your foot anywhere in there. There's kind of room for everyone to kind of find uh, what their, their, their niche is. And so I think the through line with Nina and Evie and myself is that we're all kind of people that subverted the expectations on our season. And I think Denver does that fantastically. And what do you mean by subverted the expectations? I think, well, I think Nina on her season, she came in and they're like, who is this kind of like punk bitch that, you know, is doing what was very different at the time for drag. Um, same thing for Evie, kind of this gangly, laughy character came in and they're all like, oh, you know, she's some drag clown. And then I came in and they're like, oh, who is this like prepubescent teen weirdo girl who doesn't know what she's doing? And all three of us ended up, you know, making it to the finals of our seasons. So, yeah, I think we've all kind of just surprised people um, who probably underestimated us. Do you think that underestimation at all comes from being from Denver? Because like I'm thinking about what you're saying is like there's established 
deep, deep histories of drag in New York and LA. And while we do have an established scene, there's still this space, like you're saying, to sort of create something different. But do you think that there's not as, or there wasn't as much of an expectation like being someone from Denver? Yeah, you know, I think at least for Nina and Evie, that was probably the case. But I will say on my season, as soon as people heard us in Denver and that I was part of the House of Oddly, I think that was maybe their first notion that they should be a little afraid. So I think maybe (laughs) now, especially after the third time and the third girl making it to the finale, I think people will probably beware. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So, Willa, we found this clip of a 2016 interview that you did with a local radio station here in Colorado, KGNU, and you were still in college at CSU. And I want to play a little bit of that interview with you. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) I always wanted to do drag because of RuPaul's Drag Race. I loved the show. Um, I kind of watched it when it was in the early seasons. And then once it got to season four or five, um, with characters like Sharon Needles and Jinx Monsoon that were kind of outside of the pageant style of drag. That's what I really connected with. And I was like, wow, I can, not only do I love this show, um, but I could do it. Like, I, this is kind of what I want to do. Uh, wow. I'm like, <laughs> I forgot that I had done that interview. That was in like my first year of drag, I think. <laughs> yeah. How does it feel to hear that version of you in 2016? Pretty amazing. I remember, I remember doing that interview and, you know, I, I will always say that I am a, a baby of Drag Race. I think some people are ashamed or not ashamed, but, you know, don't like to say that they're a product of Drag Race in some ways because that they think that maybe takes away from their drag. But I'm like very proud to say that I, you know, part of why I'm doing drag is because of Drag Race. That was a huge goal of mine when I started my um, drag career. And I'm like so blessed and proud that I, you know, that that has come to fruition. Yeah, I was going to say, you you said what you were going to do and you did it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, not a lot of people can say that. So that's something I'm really, really proud of. And I still kind of can't believe, I mean, only getting to the end of the season now have I really realized that I was even on the show in the first place well and that's the thing like you're a finalist and I'm thinking about the segment I watched where um Rue has you talk to your child selves and it's it's very emotional and it's really beautiful but what would you say to yourself what would you say to Willow in college like you now to her then I would just say like you are right you know what you're doing and um you know, just keep doing it. That's really it. I think 
I, if there's one thing about me, I really do have a lot of determination. I kind of decided when I started drag, I was like, if I'm going to do drag, I have to go balls to the wall. Um, like I, I can't have a half fleshed character or a half fleshed gig. Um, this has to be amazing. And thankfully it's amazing enough to, to be what it is now. So you kind of mentioned, um, not even sort of realizing, I know that feeling like not, not that you don't realize you're on the show now that you're a finalist, but like, it's really real. And I wonder, has being on the show changed you at all? Oh, it's changed me immensely. Um, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to put into words how rigorous and kind of all encompassing the show is. It's, it's very intense. I was there for nearly two months and, you know, you don't have any family or friends to talk to. You're, you're on your own and you're incredibly lonely, but you're also incredibly fulfilled with these new relationships that you're making. So it's almost like you enter this new world that you've never been in before and you kind of have to figure out who you are without all of the resources and relationships that you're used to having. So you have to establish yourself in this way that you really have to question like, okay, what do I think? Uh, who am I? What do I want to do? Um, because you can't really feed off of what's normally going on around you, your, your normal habitat. So, you know, mainly I think that the things that changed about me is I, I realized a lot of things about gender. I realized a lot of what it is that I really want out of drag. And I realized um, that I'm a very tired person. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> um, well, so that's something else I wanted to ask you about is like there's been this conversation about um, trans representation being left out of the show for a long time. And this season in particular has the most trans contestants ever. And um, I know that this journey with drag brought you to coming out and I, you know, embracing your identity as trans while you were on the show. How did that feel to do that so publicly? You know, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't all good. It is odd to feel like people are always in your business. Being on the show, you kind of, you give up a, a definitely a huge aspect of privacy. Um, but I like to sometimes lean into that and just give, you know, the full version so that people aren't left wondering or left speculating things that are incorrect about you. Um, so that, that did feel good to come out about because I had already been out to my close personal friends and family and it felt not disingenuous, but it felt maybe incomplete to not come out to the public. And being on the show changed that a lot because I just enjoyed being in drag so much after a, a huge drought of drag for so long due to COVID. Mm. And I was kind of like, well, why am I, why am I, so happy to just be in drag every day on set and it became apparent to me like oh gosh I've got to kind of dig a little deeper into this because this has been bugging me for a while now after season 14 completed filming Bosco Cornbread and Willow Pill have come out as trans yes. it's the most fantastic season baby yes it okay. is Willow tell me about your experience 
It's been difficult. I feel like for the longest time, I just wasn't letting myself know myself at all. And this feels like the final chapter to getting to know me. Mm -hmm. And now we like sit here so much like prouder and happier and our cheeks a lot more full. <laughs> I was gonna say, baby, she is snatched as ever, bitch. You see that face? <laughs> Can you talk more about that relationship to drag in relationship to your gender identity and experience? What, how did drag help you or or create the space or what what was it about this aspect of performing and and um you know dressing beautifully in in all different ways to to have this breakthrough i guess yeah i mean it's obviously it's different for everyone the way that drag affects their gender but you know when i was a young kid i always thought i was trans um and then i came out as gay and i was like oh no i was just gay and then I kind of thought I was trans again. And then I was like, oh, no, I just want to do drag. And then you kind of go through this, this fluctuation. And then after a while, drag wasn't enough either. Um, and it was like, oh, why am I kind of, you know, addicted to this feeling of being in a drag? And why do I feel kind of less happy when I'm out of drag? Or like I'm not my full self or I can't, you know, can't express myself the way I want to when I'm, when I'm out of drag. And then, and then eventually on the show, it became, why am I so happy? <laughs> When I'm in drag after I've been so, so deeply depressed looking in the mirror for the last year and a half. So that kind of fluctuation, which ended up just circling back to what I knew when I was like five or six, <laughs> um, is kind of the journey that it took to make that realization. I'm just thinking how you talked about being sort of, uh, you know, growing up a drag race kid and... Um, thinking about other willows in the world who get to see you go through this and and then they almost like skip a step. They're like, oh, that's what I'm experiencing too. And it's right there in front of me and somebody else who's embodying that experience and explaining it how it feels and just other people like you who may see you and say, that's what I feel. Exactly. And the, the show has done that for me countless times. Um you know, it's done it with Jinx Monsoon was probably one of the first ones that I really, really connected to. And, you know, how many ever, 10 years later, um, I was just with her performing in London like a few days ago. And it's, it's insane how these things kind of circle back to the beginning. So what, would, what advice would you give to a young person who wants to get into this art form? You know, I don't always know what I would say. That is a big, big question. It, it just depends on what you want out of it. Um, and maybe that's the advice I would give is just to think about what you want out of it. Um, you don't have to immediately know. You could, there's always room for exploration and, and evolving that answer. But really the, the best thing that drag has brought me is the relationships in my life, for sure. My first few years of drag, I didn't really make that many friends. Um, I just hadn't found the people yet. And for that reason, I almost, you know, almost didn't continue doing drag because I was like, well, this isn't you know, all that fun. But once I found the right people that I've had relationships, I mean, I would say like 90% of my friendships as of today are, are because of drag. And I'm so, so blessed for that. And drag above all else is something for community, I think. Yeah. So I, yeah, I would just think, what, what do you want out of it? And and go for that. Honestly. Yeah, find your people. I mean, that's what we're all looking for. Find your people. 
And you, you don't have to want to get on drag race. You don't have to want to, you know, make this a career. You don't have to, to, to want anything out of it except for what you desire. Willow Pill, thank you so much for being here. I'm so proud to know that you are from Denver and we are just rooting for you. We're so excited. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really, really excited, whatever. Whatever the outcome, I've been just ecstatic about this experience. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Changes might be coming to a trash can near you. And if you live in Denver, you might have to start paying for your trash to be collected. Earlier this week, city officials unveiled a new plan to hopefully make us better at recycling and composting because we've lagged far behind national averages for years. According to Colorado Newsline, the plan includes possible new recycling requirements for commercial and apartment communities and a potential ban on throwing cardboard into the trash as opposed to into the recycling bin. But there's a lot of interesting stuff in this new plan, so we'll be digging in for sure. And finally, I've got an update for you on a story we brought you last week about 1800 South Broadway, the spot that may be Denver's next weed lounge, if the owner can convince his skeptical neighbors. It's a voicemail from a listener who just moved into the neighborhood. Uh, hi, my name's Heather. I just moved to Platte Park in December of um, this past year, and I listened to all the um, info on 1800 South Broadway, and I had actually had the guy come to my house uh, opposing this with the petition. And at first when he said they were going to put a weed lounge there, I was like, sweet, weed lounge in the neighborhood, great. And then he relayed all the information about the um, the hookah lounge, and I thought, okay, I'll find that. I don't want anybody shooting in my neighborhood. Um, but I do think he misrepresented it as the exact same owner. Um, so I wish I hadn't signed that. I'd like to know how I could get my name off of that. I'm actually going to be a town in May, so I can't attend the hearing. Um but, you know, I, I was also listening to this lady talk about property values, and I did wonder why the people who sold us the house sold. I don't know if it had anything to do with that because we're about three to four blocks up. We're at the 1500 block and one block in. Um, but I don't think it's going to tank neighborhood values in Platt Park. I think it's going to be fine. Um, so anyway, I just found the whole thing very fascinating and interesting, and I'm excited to uh, find out what happens. Um, and thank you guys for the info because it was really in-depth and I enjoyed the episode. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye! <laughs>